Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Allen. I also want to greet you. I met some new folks this morning. That's always exciting. And we're glad that you're all here. We've been in a series, well, we started in January. We're going to do five weeks in January on this topic in the meantime. Real happy topic, right? <laughs> we're talking about those difficult situations. Today's topic is, yes, you can, by the way. We're talking about those situations that, well, we're trying to answer this question. What do you do when there's nothing you can do? Just nothing you can do. It may be in your relationships. If you're married and, you know, you got married with this happily ever after deal and then it's years down the road and life's not happy anymore and you don't want to change and they don't want to change and you've been to counseling, maybe multiple counselors, they don't seem to be able to help and so you just don't know what to do. Uh, It may be parenting uh, with your children. It may be your children. I have a lot of children here, teenagers. Um, maybe you're 15 and you just hate your family and you just can't wait till you're 18 and it seems like that's going to be forever. Um, maybe it's financial. And that's why we're talking about the financial class. You're in a situation where maybe it's a dead-end job. You can't make more money. Uh, maybe you've got some unexpected expenses and you don't know how you're going to pay them. And it's just the future doesn't look good. The future looks dim. There's no light at the end of the tunnel uh, in fact, uh, all of us like to have positive attitudes about our future. Our future is going to be better than our past. And uh, no matter what you, way you look at your life, you just don't see it going that way. Uh, especially those, those of us getting older. It can be health issues. We've got some kind of ailment that they can't cure, or they can't fix. They can only treat. And, and you used to be able in great health, and now you're in, in diminishing health, and you don't know what to do. Um, there's nothing you can do. You're just stuck. That's the word I like to use. You're stuck. Uh, you can't change the situation. You can't move on. Things don't look that well. Now, the temptation is when we get in these situations is that we want to bail. We want to run. We want to give up. We want to quit. We want to, you know, I'll get out of this marriage and then I'll find somebody else I'm more compatible with. Uh, can't really get rid of your kids very easily <laughs> uh, get new kids uh, financially. Maybe you just want to uh, run off and start over. Uh, we say that the, uh, there's options, but the options aren't good. They're not good options. None of those things are uh, preferable. They're not necessarily or probably going to lead to better, better futures. And then we look around, and I hate to say that if you're one of these people that has this great life, Everything's going well. We hate you. Let me just tell you that. We just hate you because our lives aren't like that. And we have these in the meantime situations and there are struggles and there's problems and there's adversity. And we're jealous. We're envious. In fact, we're a little angry that your life is better than our lives. <clears throat> in fact, we get to the place sometimes where we, maybe literally, but figuratively want to shake our fists at God. And if you're a Jesus follower here this morning especially, if you're not, we're glad that you're here checking us out. We think there's something that any, everybody can learn from what we teach. But you shake your fist at God because my theology, the way I think about God is he's a good God, right? He's a loving God and he's a powerful God. And so if he's loving and powerful, why am I stuck in this situation? God, you could do something about this. You could change this. You could make this better. Why aren't you? Ultimately, ultimately, if you're a Jesus follower, 
you come to the conclusion of the, that it's God's fault, right? Got to be God's fault that I'm stuck in the meantime with no hope of change. And so we talked about both weeks, and if you want to catch up on the series, they're on our, on our website. Um, but the first week we talked, well, we talked each week about lies we believe when we're in these situations. First lie is I'll never be happy again. And kind of in our culture, the goal is to be happy, right? And I'm not going to be happy in my marriage. I'm not going to be happy in my finances. I'm not going to be happy with my health. I'm never going to be happy again. Now, that's a lie we tend to believe in these situations, circumstances. Another lie we believe is nothing good can come from this. And if you're in that and you hear preacher types like me, pastors up front saying, hey, this guy in the Bible, he had this terrible life and then this good thing happened. Or this, you know, went through this really difficult time and this good thing happened. You say, hey, I don't want to hear it. You know, maybe that was true with them, but it's not true with me. Nothing good is going to come from this situation. Again, that's a lie. And the third lie, there's no point in continuing. There's no point in continuing this relationship. There's no point in trying. There's no, no point in me trying to stay moral. There's no point in me trying to do the right thing. I do the right thing and bad things happen. Uh, there's just no point in me continuing. Unfortunately, some people say no, no point in continuing to live. So, the first week we, we kind of concluded with this statement that God is not absent, apathetic, or angry. Because this is the way we feel. Right? In these difficulties, in these situations that seem to go on and on, then he, he's got to be absent. If he was present, again, he would change it. Or if he if he's exists, if he's real, he just doesn't care. Because again, he would change it. Or, and this is where I go sometimes, he must be upset with me. He must be angry with me. He's, he's punishing me. And, and sometimes I think, he, I deserve this. Yeah, yeah God, I, 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 yeah, I deserve it. Then last week we talked about a weird option, if you're Jesus following. This weird option that in, this, in the meantime situation, this tough adversity, this problem that doesn't seem to end, we have an option. And this is a good option. This weird option is this. We can look at this as a gift. <laughs> and we kind of debated with Paul that that was the right word. In fact, he used it as a thorn in my flesh to torment me. It was a gift. A little uh, ironic or contradictory. But he said, we have the option, and he did, to look at it as a gift with a purpose. He said his purpose was to keep him humble. With a purpose and a promise. And the promise, we don't always know the purpose. But the promise is, God says, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient to get you through this. Now, I've been saying there's two things that help me in these in the meantime situations. And the first one's this. There are people in the Bible. One One of the great things about the Bible is that people in the Bible are real. In fact, can't really find any of those people that had the happily ever after stories. I mean, eventually maybe, but they all went through difficulties and valleys and so forth. And again, many of them came out better at the end. So we have those stories, those, those illustrations. Then we have present life or even biographies we might read of people that have gone through the same things you and I have gone through, maybe worse things, and have been victorious at the end or are, are better at the end. So that's one help. That real people just like us <laughs> have gone through these things. 
The other help is that feelings lie. Don't feelings lie? <laughs> you know, I feel like God doesn't love me. Well, that's, that's a lie. God does love me. I feel like God's abandoned me. Uh, I, was, I was thinking this week about back when I was a teenager, and I loved my parents, and, and I got along well with them. I'm the firstborn, kind of please your parents type. But I remember this one time, and I don't know why, but I just got so angry with my parents because they wouldn't let me do something that I felt like I hated them. Now, was that true? No, it wasn't true. It was just what I was feeling at, at the instant, during that moment, it, and, it, and it went away. Uh, I mentioned how sometimes I feel like my wife doesn't love me, and, and, and that's a lie. And, and so I have to understand, I have to realize that feelings are real, I have those feelings, but they're not always justified or, or they lie to me. So I have to base how I approach things not on feelings, but on, if you're Jesus following, what, what God has to say. So those are two things that, that help. Now, it's kind of strange, but all through most of history and all through the Bible uh, and other parts of the world, people don't have this conflict that if there's a good God, bad things can't happen. And it's kind of crazy, but Westerners, especially Americans, we kind of think that. But I say this often, life's tough. <laughs> uh, bad things are going to happen, no matter how good, quote unquote, a person you are. And so it's just kind of weird that we had this thought that life's not, if I'm not happy, you know, God's not good. And we looked at a guy by the name of Paul. We talked about, he said he had this thorn in the fight. We didn't know what it was, but he said, he described it this way. He used four, we, used, we used four words to describe it from his little story. That this, whatever it was, was painful. It caused him pain. It might have been physical and emotional, but it was painful. It was humiliating. It, he said it humbled him. Uh, and he said that was, that was good in some respects. But uh, it's tough to be humiliated, isn't it? Then it was debilitating. And especially in his case, he thought, hey, I'm, I'm doing all I can for God and this is, keep, this is hindering me. I, 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 I could do more if I didn't have this thing. And then it was permanent. You know, he prayed, prayed three times, God take it away, and God said, no. <laughs> and then he said, okay, it's going to be permanent. Now, <clears throat> when we're in those situations, we have an option. We have several options. One is, again, like I said, give up or run. Another option is just kind of have a pity party. You ever done that? <laughs> Oh, poor pitiful me. Nobody's life is as terrible as mine is. Uh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to stick in there, but, uh, you know, you know I, I'm, I'm doing it as a martyr. But what the Bible would tell us and what Paul would tell us is that, no, 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 no. You continue on, but you continue on with, a, we would say, a positive attitude, with, uh, with, uh, an idea that this can get better, this can change. <clears throat> In fact, Paul, and we're going to look at something else Paul teaches or wrote to us, for us. Paul actually said you can get above this. There's an attitude that you can have when you're going through these in-the-meantime situations. And it's this word uh, here. That you can actually be content, <clears throat> Content? No, I can't be content. This isn't this is, this is what I want. And Paul says, and we're going to look at it, that you can be content. Now, what do, we, what do we mean by content? Content means it's okay on the inside, even though it's not okay on the outside. I have peace on the inside, even though stuff is crazy around me. 
Um, that's what he means by contentment. Now, the opposite, discontentment, is really dangerous, isn't it? Because you and I do stupid stuff when we get discontented, don't we? We spend money we don't have. We, you know, chase after some sin or another that we shouldn't. So the opposite is, is not a good place to be. And so Paul is going to teach us, hey, <laughs> it's not natural. It's not easy. But you can be content. In fact, we should be. Now, talking about Paul, we share this story often. He started out as a, as, as a Jesus hater, as a Christian hater. And some of you don't like some Christians. I don't like some of them either, okay? Uh, Paul started out as, as, as a Jesus hater, and he was passionate about getting them arrested. And then he had this dramatic conversion, we would say. And then he became passionate about being a Jesus follower. And then he, his, his passion or his vision was to spread Christianity, not just to Jews, but to everybody. And so he went around and to, to Greek people and in modern Turkey and Greece and even in Rome, starting churches. Right? And then he went back and visited these churches. But about 10 years later, he did this for about 10 years. 10 years later, he gets arrested and he winds up eventually under house arrest in Rome. Of course, the Roman Empire, they were the world power at that time. So that's where he is. And Nero's the emperor. And you know what Nero did with Christians? torches. He would have parties and he would put these Christians on these poles and burn them. I don't know how well bodies burn, but that's what he would do. So this is what Paul basically had to look forward to uh, while he's in prison. So what's he going to do? He's passionate about spreading this Jesus thing all over the world and he's stuck in prison or in a house arrest. Give up? When Paul wanted these people that could say, well, whatever, I did my best. Now I'm stuck here in prison. Now, Paul is not like that. Paul is a driven person. Paul is a, you know, strong A personality. So what did he decide to do? Well, I can't visit these churches I started, but I can write them letters. Letters to encourage them, letters to teach them, etc. So he sits down and writes these letters. Now, we call them books of the New Testament, or some of them that we still have. He wrote one to the Philippians. He wrote one to the Ephesians. He wrote one to the Colossians. He wrote one to the Thessalonians, or multiple ones, the Corinthians. So he wrote these letters. We call them books, but they're letters. Paul probably has more to do with Western culture and Western mentality than anybody that's ever lived, probably for the first 1,500 years after Jesus. In 1450, a guy by the name of Gutenberg invented the printing press, and what did they print first? Who knows? The Bible. The Bible. So very few copies of the Bible existed up until 1450. After that, there was still one a lot, but there were multiple copies. So that had a big impact on especially Western civilization. But for the first, and people's you know, mindsets, but the first 1400 years or so, the things that Paul wrote probably influenced society more than anything else. And he wrote things like, ladies, I think you'll appreciate the fact that Paul wrote these things when he was in prison. Uh, A couple of places he wrote, uh, husbands love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself for them. Uh, Aren't you glad he wrote that? Aren't you glad he was in prison so he could write that? Because if he hadn't been in prison, he might not have written these letters. 
Now, did Paul have any way of knowing what hung in the balance when he wrote those letters? That we would be reading them, I would be reading part of one today, 2,000 years later, thousands of miles away from where he was in prison. Of course not. He had no way of knowing what hung in the balance. And the other amazing thing is, what are the odds? What are the odds that these letters he wrote actually got where they were supposed to? They didn't have the modern mail system. They actually got to these churches. But that's not as amazing as, what are the odds that we still have copies today? I've written letters in my lifetime. They're probably not, they, 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 they don't exist anymore. Especially when you think that the things that the Roman emperors wrote 2,000 years ago and probably had multiple copies, maybe even put them in safes. We don't have them today. They don't exist today. Very few exist today. And this guy, this nobody guy, in prison in Rome, writing letters to these little churches, these letters have been preserved for 2,000 years. So what hung in the balance? You and I hung in the balance. The church hung in the balance of what Paul did in his in the meantime, imprisonment. And by the way, he never did get out of prison. You, what about me? We have no way of knowing what hangs in the balance of us being faithful, us being contented in our in the meantime situation. So we're going to look at Paul wrote. It's in uh, Philippians chapter 4. And the last verse we get to is a very familiar verse, and we'll talk about that in a minute. He said, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. So, you know, again, the communication wasn't like it is today. Um, They probably lost track of Paul. Eventually, they find out Paul's in prison in Rome. And so, hey, you know, Paul did a lot for us. Let's do something for him. So they send him a care package. And we have no idea knowing what's in there. Today, we would send cookies and chewing gum and that kind of stuff. You probably got some food or money or, or clothing or, or, you know, stuff to write with or something to read. We don't know what was in there, but Paul received it as a concern from the, the church and the people in Philippi. Then he goes on. And this is really important. He said, it's not because I'm in need, okay? Uh, it's not because I'm going to starve to death if you hadn't sent me this food. Or I was going to die if you didn't send me this money. Or I'd freeze to death if you didn't send me these clothes. He said, it's not because I'm in need. Here he he gets to the important part. The reason I'm not in need is because I have learned something. Now, I love to see the word learned. Because I usually use this as an example. I can't sing. And I think singing for most people is a gift. I mean, you can have voice lessons, but I can have voice lessons I still couldn't sing, okay? All right? I can't learn that. But this is something I can learn. This is something you can learn. So I'm interested in something I can learn. He says, I can, I have learned this. I have learned to be content. And not just some of the time. I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I'm in. And this doesn't mean, hey, I got this problem. God, just give me more problems. Just pile it on. I'm ready for it. No, 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 no. That's not what he's asking. He's not asking for more, but he's learned to be content, to be at peace, to be, at, be calm, to not worry, no matter what the circumstances is. Now, 
don't you want to know how to learn that? I, I do. I think my life would be better if I was contented or more contented. So Paul is saying, hey, I, at least I want you to know this exists. I've learned this. Other people learned this. You know, there's, there's the option, the potential that you can learn this. Again, it's not to be apathetic. Because again, Paul was a driven person. But he's learned to be content. See, one of our problems is we are content with what we shouldn't be content with and we're discontented with things we should be contented with. This is, uh, um, <laughs> I lost it. Uh, Sanctity of, Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. And that's because so many years ago, uh, the abortion law was passed. We should not be contented that abortions happen, even one. We shouldn't. But so often we're apathetic about things like that. But we should be contented with the circumstances that we cannot change, and we're not contented with those things. So then he goes on. He says, I know. I know that I know. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. So times his life was easier, and other times his life was tough. And then he says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed, living in plenty, or in want. Now this, this, this phrase, learning, learn the secret, is an interesting word. And I, don't, I don't have the Greek word for you, but in the original, it's a big word. It's an unusual word. In fact, it's the only time it shows up in the whole Bible, the whole New Testament. And you ever been talking to somebody and they throw this big word out and you think, whoa, where did that come from? And you, you, you ask, what's it mean? Or you, you think about it. Well, that's kind of what Paul's doing here. He's riding along and he throws in this big, strange word to get their attention. And it literally meant, it was a word they used in mystic cults uh, back in that day. And it was, uh, had the implication of initiation. And I don't know if anybody's been a sorority or fraternity. They have these initiations and you you learn these secret things that people outside don't know. I've never been in one. So I thought about when I was a a kid, the boys in the neighborhood, we had this hate girl girl club. We had our little secrets. Uh, Change when you get a little older. But at a certain age, we hate girls and we all have these secrets. Well, that's the kind of thing. Initiated into this cult. So Paul, how, how did you learn this? And we're going to get to this verse that's probably the, one of the most familiar but misapplied verses in the Bible. So Paul, how did you learn this? I can do all this. I can be contented in whatever circumstance. I can do this through him or the one, some verses say, translations say Christ, who gives me strength or power or gives me his strength or power. Now, can you do anything? I usually use this silly illustration. Can you fly? No matter how hard you try, no matter how much you believe God can help you fly, can you fly? No, 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 no. So we use this, just misuse this verse and apply it to all kinds of situations. What Paul is saying, no, no, no. What you can do is be content <laughs> in any circumstance. That's the right application. It reminded me of, uh, Back when I decided to run the JFK, that 50-mile race, I don't even knew I run this 50-mile race every year. I ran it 12 years in a row, and I wasn't going to run it this year. And 12 days beforehand, I decided to run it. No training. Crazy, right? 
Anyway, somebody in my small group, and she's here, I won't mention her name, Wendy, but anyway, she said to me, uh, you can do this. You can, no, you got this. That's what she said. You got this. And as I was running and walking, <laughs> I, would, I would be reminded, yeah, I, I, I got this. I got this. So Paul says, you, I can do this. And it's not just I can maintain, it's I can uh, I can sur- survive, is I can thrive. Anyway, one of the things in the meantime situation I got to thinking about was parenting, especially little ones. I mean, you know eventually they're going to grow up and hopefully, you know, get potty trained and <laughs> all those things, right? Dress themselves and wash themselves. But sometimes, especially in, we've got folks here with lots, multiple little ones, it gets to you a place where you say, I, I can't do this. And it reminded me of this movie clip from uh, Mom's Night Out. Some real wisdom here. I can't. I can't get in front of it. No matter how hard I try, no matter how much I give, I'm just... I'm not enough. For who? What? Not enough for who? I mean, Sean, the kids, my mother, God, everybody, I don't know. You. Not enough for you. I was raised in church. This might surprise you, but I have sense drifted from the faith. Shocker. My mama worked three jobs. I never met my daddy. I had to get up early and walk to school, but I'd wait up for her coming home from the diner. I'd wait up every night. Because she'd come home and she'd put me to bed and she'd tell me something. She'd tell me the same thing every night. He loves you, Charles. No matter who you are, no matter what you do, or how far you run, Jesus will always be loving you with his arms open wide just for being you. smile and go off to sleep. You know, I saw something on Pinterest the other day. It was an eagle just caring for its young. It's a beautiful thing to watch one of God's creations just doing what he made it to do. Just being an eagle and that's enough y'all spend so much time beating yourselves up must be exhausting let me tell you something girl I doubt the good lord made a mistake 
giving your kiddos the mama he did. So you just be you. He'll take care of the rest. A lot of wisdom there. You just be you. Love that line. I don't think the good Lord made a mistake when he put those kiddos, gave those kiddos, you as their mommy. But we have those feelings. I can't, right? I, I, I can't be the parent they need. Can't be the spouse. Can't. So, we want to share this phrase with you. I can't. But he can. He can through me. How do I know that? Because he carried that cross up that hill. And he allowed those soldiers to put those spikes in his hands and feet. And he hung there and died. And three days later, conquered death and rose from the grave. Well, that's how I know he can. So maybe you're single and you're sick and tired of being single. And there's no prospects out there. And you're thinking, maybe a relationship with the wrong person is better than no relationship. I can't keep doing this. But he can. He can help. If we have anybody pregnant and they don't think they can deal with this, this, this pregnancy, um, got to do something about it. And we had a wonderful testimony of a lady in the first service, or I have a great-granddaughter, uh, but... Uh, was spared. I can't have this pregnancy. Well, maybe you can't, but he can. Maybe you're in one of those marriages where the, your spouse has got three personalities that I mentioned earlier, and you don't know which one you're going to get each day or from minute to minute, and you say, I, 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 can't, I, can't, 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 I can't do this. I can't, get, I can't go on. Well, maybe you can't, but he can for some people, it's health issues. I just can't deal with this pain, whatever, whether it's migraine headaches or back pain or some other pain. I, I can't do it. I just can't. I can't. Well, maybe you can't, but he can. He can through you. We're going to calling this a mystery that creates a reality. A mystery that creates a reality because I can't really explain this to you. It's kind of counterintuitive, isn't it? But it's real. And if you've been a Jesus follower for a while, you've experienced this probably. I know I have. And one of these weeks, one of the next two weeks, I'm probably going to share some more personal stories. So we're going to give you some homework. Everybody loves homework, right? Relax. This is really easy homework, okay? All right, we're going to give you a card as you leave this morning. It's going to look like this. All right? On the one side, it says this. I can't, you can. And what I want you to do as soon as possible, first thing in the morning, maybe even before you got out of bed, pray this prayer. All right? Now, i got to think about this. How am I going to remember this? The first thing I do is go in my bathroom and wash my face in the morning. So I'm going to stick this on my vanity. So if I hadn't remembered before I got out of bed, within the first five minutes, I'm going to be standing there at the sink. Oh, yeah, God, I can't. Whatever you're dealing with that day. You know, I can't, uh, if you're in school, I, I, I can't handle this subject or uh, whatever it might be. I can't, you can't. So 
Well, that's going to take you, what, about 10 seconds? I want you to do that every day this week. And if you're, as long as you're in the meantime situation continues, maybe the rest of your life. All right. Then, last thing, before you go to bed at night, flip the card over. It says this. Teach me this mystery. Pastor couldn't explain it to me, this mystery of how I can be content, Christ in me, to deal in this situation. So this is the last thing. So again, the last thing I do before I go to bed is brush my teeth. I'm at the sink again. I never thought about it, but that's where I start the day and end the day. And so I'm going to put it there, and I want you to pray this little prayer before you go to sleep, all right, all week long. Think you can handle that? That's not too hard, right? All right, so we'll hand you these as you leave uh, this morning. So here's a summing up, summing up what we said today. In the meantime, whatever it might be in your circumstances, learn the secret of contentment. This is something we can learn. Not natural, we can learn it. Christ in you, empowering you. Now think about it this way. It's like before I pray for you. What is the thing that causes you the most discontentment in your life? The other way to think about it, if you had one wish, what would you change? All right? Everybody got one? I know you're not going to want to hear this, but that's the area of your life that God has the greatest potential in you. To do the greatest work in you. To empower you is in that very circumstances. And it's interesting. We hear stories from people, hey, my life has been great, no bumps, marriage is great, kids are great, finances are great. Does that inspire you? Nah, it doesn't inspire you at all, does it? When you've heard somebody that, hey, that had difficult teenagers or difficult strong-willed children or went through some financial difficulty or went through some health issue or some marriage problem, I may share, share about our marriage problem before the series is over. Uh, that's inspiring, isn't it? And let me just end with this. You and I have no way of knowing what hangs in the balance of us being faithful in the meantime. So let's pray. Thank you, God, for this amazing mystery that as difficult as it might be to believe, I can be contented no matter what's going on. Whatever difficulties, whatever problems I might have. And again, part of the key or part of the secret is that I have to say I can't and allow you to do it in and through us. Uh, For those folks here that aren't Jesus followers, we pray, God, that today would be the day because if you're not a Jesus follower, you'd live your life in discontentment. Oh, there might be momentary happiness, but you know, there's never enough. The marriage is never good enough. The finances are never enough. There's not enough stuff. True contentment can only come through Jesus, and he is inviting you to receive that gift this morning. You can pray that prayer or just say yes uh, as we're praying. God, I thank you for this amazing gift of contentment. And I thank you that in those really most difficult in the meantime situations, the things that are most, bring us the most discontentment, that's the area where you can do the greatest work. We thank you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.